0: Isaiah's prophecy, uh, chapter 60, uh, we'll read a number of verses here with a connected, uh, uh, connected theme uh, in Isaiah and connected with the theme of uh, our text in Revelation. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deepness and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And then uh, in Later here in chapter 60, verse 18, violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Verse 19, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. Then all your righteous all your people rather will be righteous, they will possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Revelation. Chapter 21, verses 22 through 27 is our text. Uh, We'll read first, verses 1 through 4, Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, Verse 22, I saw no temple in it that is in the New Jerusalem. For the Lord the Almighty, the Lord God the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its, gaze, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean, and no one who, a practice, who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Amen. Our hymn of uh, preparation is 303. Be seated as we turn to 303 in the Trinity Hymnal. Amen. Amen. Let's join. Once more, to, before the throne of grace, to seek God's blessing on the preaching and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word and for its wisdom. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that your glory shines forth in your Word, that you've made your glory known, that you have sent your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to make your glory known, the Word incarnate, to instruct us, to teach us, and that you have been pleased, O Lord, to, by your Spirit, inspire the Holy Scriptures, that Uh, to breathe them out through the Spirit's work, that we might be instructed in every good and perfect way. We pray now that you would instruct us, that you would teach us. We ask again that you would be pleased to grant to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We confess, O Lord, that Uh, Our understanding is indeed darkened, even as we've sung, unless the Holy Spirit illumines the pages of Scripture to us. We pray for his help. We confess our belief, O Lord, in the promise of your Spirit's ministry. And we pray in confidence, because again we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Revelation chapter 21 is all about the new Jerusalem. Uh, It's about a new heaven, a new earth. It's about all things new. And among them, uh, the new Jerusalem, which, remember, is not a geographical place. It's not a physical city. It's very clear, uh, not only from the the context that we read in verses 1 through 4, uh, that the New Jerusalem is the Bride of Christ. Uh, John, uh, uh, one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls, verse 9, will again tell us, even as we have read here in uh, verse 2, that the uh, New Jerusalem comes down from heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her her husband. uh, now the One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with John saying, Come here and I will show you, show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. The New Jerusalem is the church of Jesus Christ. The New Jerusalem are those whom Christ has bought and Paid for by his precious blood, the body of Christ, his church on earth. And when John was first given, uh, when he was given his first glimpse of the new creation and uh, the new Jerusalem, he writes here in verses 1 through 4 here that when God's tabernacle is among men, several significant Negative features of the first creation will be altogether absent from it. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. These first things belong to the first creation but will disappear when the church's enemies are destroyed and her identity as the Lamb's bride is fully revealed in the new heaven and the new earth. And now in the last section of chapter 21, in verses 22 to 27, John sees two positive provisional features of the first creation, that are absent in the new creation and the new Jerusalem, together with another significant negative feature. A chapter, a section in 22 to 27 is a a section of no's. No temple, no luminaries, and no ungodliness in the new Jerusalem. In the first place, John sees no temple sanctuary in the New Jerusalem. It's a word uh, that we find translated temple in uh, verse 22 uh, is often translated that way and often refers in the New Testament to the actual uh, temple structure as a whole. Uh, but it also Uh, is used in the New Testament to describe the inner sanctuary, uh, the holy of holies. And I think that's the way John is referring to it here. There was no temple in it. There was no temple sanctuary in it for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple sanctuary. In redemptive history, God always had a sanctuary, a sacred place where he met with his people. In the beginning, the sanctuary was the Garden of Eden, and there God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and and communed with them. When Israel was wandering in the wilderness, God gave them the tabernacle, where he revealed his glory and where uh, his people could assemble for worship and instruction. And then uh, they would pack it up and carry it with them wherever he, whenever he directed them to, to move on. Once Israel was established in the promised land, God gave them a temple sanctuary in Jerusalem, a permanent at least for the time in which Israel was a theocracy, a permanent dwelling place for God in a particular city, uh, in the city of Jerusalem, uh, which, which was designated as his centralized dwelling place and where God's people would come and worship him and where his glory would be revealed. And then God fulfilled these provisional elements of the tabernacle and the temple when he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be the new temple. The word became flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And now in the new creation, the new Jerusalem, his church is the temple sanctuary. It's been revealed to John in this vision, chapter 21 and verse 3. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. God's tabernacle is now among his bride, Jesus Christ His church is the temple sanctuary. When the angel measures the new Jerusalem, verses 15 and 16, it's in the shape of a cube. Uh, Its length and its width and its height are equal. The proportions of the holy of holies in the temple and the tabernacle, symbolizing perfect communion with the triune God. And then in verse 22, John sees no temple and says, the Lord, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple sanctuary. The church is temple to God and the Lamb. God and the Lamb are temple to the church. No matter where you go, in other words, in the new creation, in whatever direction, you cannot leave the presence of God. You cannot leave the loving, worshipful presence of God and the Lamb. You can't lose a moment of God's presence in the new Jerusalem because it's all temple there's no place in the city where God's glory does not shine forth he dominates east and west north and south there will be no sabbaths no lord's days no ministers preaching God's word no stated times of worship no means of grace in eternity Because the church will forever be in the immediate presence of God's grace and love. And they will never lose a moment of his sacred, loving, joyful, overwhelming presence in the new creation, in the new Jerusalem. The late minister and theologian R.C. Sproul's father was quite sickly, and Dr. Sproul often had to help his father uh, walk to the dinner table for meals. After his father died, Sproul recounts, he had recurring dreams of his father in his sickly condition. But one night... He dreamed that he and his father were in heaven. His father had no more infirmities. He was completely energized. And Dr. Sproul said to his father in that dream, Dad, take me to where I can see the glory. And his father said to him, Son, it's all glory. It's all glory. In the new creation, it's all glory. And that's why John sees no temple. Uh, there's no temple or tabernacle where God often, so often, manifested his glory among his people, came down uh, in from heaven and, and overwhelmed the, the sanctuary of his temple on earth so that his priests could no longer minister there. God and the Lamb will so fill the temple sanctuary, the new Jerusalem, his church, and God and the Lamb are ubiquitous as the temple sanctuary, that everywhere you go, you encounter him and meet with his glory. John sees no temple in the New Jerusalem. Secondly, John sees no luminaries in the New Jerusalem. The second but positive provisional feature to disappear in the new creation is the earth's luminaries. Verse 23, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. The light, John writes, radiating from God and the Lamb make the luminaries of the first creation obsolete and unnecessary. Just as a candle burns brightly, in the dark, but can barely be seen in the light of the sun, so the sun shining in its brilliance would be lost in the radiant glory of God and the Lamb in the new Jerusalem. The sun's light and warmth was essential for old Jerusalem, for their life, for their material prosperity, just as it is to us today. But in the new Jerusalem, John says, God's illuminating presence supplies abundant life and spiritual warmth, satisfying the church's every need in eternity. Isaiah, we read this morning, prophesied. Of the day when earthly light sources would no longer be needed, Isaiah sixty nineteen and 20, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor or for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. Your sun will set no longer, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light in the days of your morning. Will be over. The ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy is found in our text in Revelation 21, verses 22 to 27. John's description here in verse 23 draws a subtle but significant distinction between the light giving roles of God the Father and Christ, the Son. the Father is the ultimate source of light from which all truth flows. The glory of God has illumined it," John writes. And the Son is the agent that reveals the Father in his glory and his truth. The Lamb of God is the lamp. John writes here in verse 23, these have been the complementary roles of the Father and the Son throughout redemptive history. Jesus is the revelation of the glory of God. His role, he came to do his Father's will, whatever the Father told him to do, he did. He came down from heaven and he was incarnate to show us the glory of God in the flesh. Two results, result, uh, two results follow, rather, from the presence of God and the Lamb as uh, the constant light source among his people. Verses 24 and 26. The nations will walk by its light, uh, and their kings will bring their glory into it they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it because there will be no night there verse 25 in the perpetual daytime of the New Jerusalem the city's gates never close but remain wide open to receive a glory that will constantly enrich the beauty of of the new Jerusalem, the church of Jesus Christ. The imagery of the nations walking by God's light, shining in the new Jerusalem, and bringing their wealth into the city is uh, derived from that other section in Isaiah chapter 60 that we read this morning. Verses 3 to 5, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. they They all gather together. They come to you, your sons, will come from afar, and your daughters will be carried in the arms. The wealth of the nations will come to you. The nation's influx in uh, to the city here in the vision, bearing their honor and glory, uh, vividly portrays the bride of the Lamb, uh, the reality of the bride of the Lamb of Jesus Christ, uh, and embraces the elect from all of the world's peoples. John saw a preview of this earlier in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, this climactic gathering for worship. I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. That preview also makes clear that the glory and honor are brought into this final sanctuary of the new creation. As were the gifts and sacrifices of the earthly sanctuary to be offered to the divine king that is enthroned on it. John sees no temple, no luminaries, and finally John sees no ungodliness in the new Jerusalem. Verse 27, the absence of light in the new uh, night, rather, in the new Jerusalem means that the city's 12 gates stand perpetually open never needing to be shut against ex- external attacks but beyond that the this perpetual daytime of the new jerusalem also means uh, that god's people will be protected from internal attacks as well internal threats to their holiness jesus said remember john Three, Verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Just as the new creation contains no C, we read that again this morning in the context in uh, verse 1, just as uh, the new creation has no C. So uh, representing the region of, of evil and, and lawlessness in the scriptures. Remember the uh, the sea was had uh, the, the sea beast emerged from the beast from the sea, came up from the sea. So now the new Jerusalem experiences no night in, in which darkness could cloak uh, the evil deeds of those who Love the darkness rather than the light. The word translated unclean or defiled or impure, depending on your translation in verse 27, refers to ceremonial uncleanness. In the first earth, sin causes separation from God. It keeps God's people from worshiping him as they ought remember uh, the stress on this and in the uh, the on ceremonial cleanness uh, in the book of Leviticus uh, worshipers had to be ceremonial ceremonially clean in order to come to assemble with God's people in uh, in temple worship in the New Jerusalem there will be no sin there will be no iniquity There will be no transgression so that in the holy city, perfect worship will always be offered to God. The city church in the New Jerusalem will always offer pure worship to God whose holy presence will completely infiltrate the city temple of God the church of Jesus Christ the word translated abomination or detestable thing here in verse 27 only appears elsewhere in revelation in the uh, in the book of revelation in chapter 17 verses 4 and 5 where it's associated and this should be no surprise to us with the great harlot, Also called, you remember uh, the false prophet, representing apostate Israel. Peter, remember, writes in Second Peter chapter two and verse one, having spoken of true prophecy in chapter one of Second Peter. In that second chapter, he says that just as false prophets arose among God's people of old, there would be false teachers among the church. And John is saying here, in verse 27, that in the new creation, not only will the city church be protected from all external threats, all external assaults, of persecutors, which isn't the case now, but will be in eternity. The church there will also be immune from infiltration by false teachers and hypocrites from within, which again isn't the case now. The light of God and the light of the Lamb not only beautifies the new Jerusalem, the church of Jesus Christ, but also secures its safety and its purity forever so that nothing unclean, nothing impure, no sin, no falsehood ever enters into her again, but only those whose names are, are written in the book of life. If you are a sincere believer in Jesus Christ, your name, by God's grace, is already indelibly written in the Lamb's book of life. You're already enrolled in the church membership of the New Jerusalem. Paul says in Philippians 3.20 that your citizenship is already in heaven while you wait for Christ to come again in glory. But the ominous reality, not only here, but what we've seen earlier in chapter 21 and earlier uh, in chapter 20, the ominous reality is that there are those whose names are written on the roles of membership in the church on earth, who have been brought into the membership of the church on earth, who are hypocrites, who are liars, because while they profess faith with their mouths their lives betray that profession as a lie. Some have professed faith here, whose names are on the roll here, but their names are not found in the book of life. What a tragedy it will be to have been in the church and to have sat under the gospel all of your life only to discover on the great judgment day that your name is excluded from the Lamb's book of life in the new Jerusalem because you refuse to abandon your defiling, abominable, lying sins, because you didn't lay all your sins at the feet of the Lamb of God, who alone can take them away. If that describes you, it means that you won't experience the glorious presence of God. Revelation 21 has Conveyed to us in symbols and in what John writes in his description of the glory of the new Jerusalem, the church of uh, Jesus Christ. It means that you will not experience that glory, but will instead, as Revelation has earlier proclaimed, chapter 21, verse 8, You'll be thrown into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And the second death that John speaks about here is eternal destruction in hell. But this need not be the case. For those who turn to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ... find new life in Christ, and find their names on, inscribed upon uh, the Lamb's book of life. John wrote in his gospel that when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. That, of course, doesn't mean that everyone in the whole world is going to be saved. It means that people of of the whole world, of all nations, peoples, tribes, and tongues, are going to be saved when they turn to the Lamb who takes away the sins of the whole world. Whatever your spiritual condition may be, wherever you find yourself, whatever your sins may be, the only way for you to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in the New Jerusalem is to repent of sin and take refuge in Christ, the Lamb of God, as your Savior, trusting by faith in what He has done on the cross to release those who believe in him from their sins. And to do that all your life long, not at the moment of the profession of your faith, but to keep repenting and keep believing. Conversion isn't a one-time thing. Salvation in the Bible isn't spoken of as a, as a one-time event. It's it, There is such a thing as conversion. There is such a thing as a wondrous grace Uh, in which the Holy Spirit works in us and and gives us new hearts and uh, persuades, uh, convinces us of sin and misery, persuades and enables us to embrace Christ Jesus as he's freely offered in the gospel, and then works faith in us. The Spirit of God works faith in us so that we repent, so that we turn from sin and believe in Christ. There is indeed an immediate sense in which this word salvation is used. But in the Bible, salvation is also used in the sense of all our lives long. God has saved us as we believed in Christ, and God is saving us now. And that means that we walk with him faithfully. And that means uh, that we do not, uh, that our lives do not betray our profession of faith as a lie. That's not to say, of course, that we'll ever live a perfect life, that we'll ever live a sinless life in this world. What it means is that characteristically, those who genuinely profess faith in Christ, those who have genuinely believed in Christ bear the fruit of that salvation characteristically. And they walk with him all the days of their life and God preserves them all the days of their life until the time that they enter in to the Jerusalem above, the church triumphant, the temple of God in heaven, the new Jerusalem, the temple sanctuary. And if that describes you, if you are one who has genuinely believed in Christ, and if you're walking faithfully with Christ, striving to put your sin to death, and to lead a godly life, then you will find yourself in the new creation, in the new Jerusalem, for all eternity, where it is all glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our Father in heaven, you indeed are glorious, and O Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, how grateful we are that you, the Lamb of God, came to take away the sins of the whole world and that you have taken away uh, the sins of those who are here today who have believed in you sincerely. We look to the day, O Lord, when we will no longer deal with the negative aspects of, of the first creation, where there will be uh, when there will be no more pain no more death no more crying no more mourning where tears will altogether be absent and we long for the day when we will no longer have to wrestle with our sins as we do every day of our lives in this existence gives us hope, O Lord, and we look now to you with great hope for the new Jerusalem, the perfected church of Jesus Christ in eternity. We pray that you would continue to build her here, even as you said, O Lord, uh, that uh, the lake of fire will not prevail against the church. You will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We ask, O God, that you would continue to build your church, Lord Jesus, And we ask, O God, that you can continue to mold us and shape us into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That you would help us more and more every day of our lives to die to sin and live unto righteousness. And preserve us, O God. Cause us to persevere by your powerful grace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.